What an honor, what a privilege to be here, Harvest Gen. Uh, I made it in life. I'm finally here. Uh, I'm so happy. I just want to say this. Thank you so much today for having us. What, what a time uh, we are in. But I know God is with you wherever you are, wherever you are. God loves you. Uh, just hang on. I believe those that hold on to God, we will see the rainbow soon. Amen. It's good. So uh, let us just start with the word of prayer. You can sense I'm so excited. It has been a while. Um, back in Collective, we have a studio. So we go into the studio and we do live and recording. It was just a, um, not, not really a hall like that, but being in a hall and worshipping together, hearing uh, those that are serving, thank you so much. Everyone that has served, uh, thank you so much. I, let's start with the word of prayer. Jesus in Christ alone, we put our trust, we put our hope. Father, we just want to give you thanks. We, we praise you for who you are, for what you have done and what you're going to do. Today, uh, I commit myself to you. Help me to articulate your word. Help me to communicate your word effectively across this screen. We just want to pray that let lives be encouraged and transform all for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. All of God's people say, Amen. Amen. So today I am excited. I want to just uh, introduce myself. My name is Keith. Uh, I'm married to a beautiful wife. Uh, we knew each other when we were in Sunway College and she's a Chinese Indonesian. Her name is Julie. And together we have three beautiful kids and uh, Kira, KD, and also KS. Uh, this is my Family, I just want to introduce you to you wherever I go uh, on the planet. I just want to say this is my pride. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing besides Jesus Christ. And uh, in the middle of it is Katie. I always remember this story. I was sending her to kindergarten one day a few years back. And uh, she, 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 said, she said this, uh, Papa, I want to have the iPad. I said, no, you can't, you know, uh, get ready for school. But she put up she put up a big fight. She put up a big fight. And then, you know, as parents, uh, I don't know how many of you, you're also worried how much screen you are giving. You, I use the word much, not many. How much screen you are giving to your children already. You're worried back those times. And, and she, she's really a fighter. And then I, I don't want to go through the hassle of wrestling with her and all. I say, okay, fine, just take the iPad. But uh, throughout the journey, once you reach school, you have to go down. She happily turned her mood and said, yay, let's go. But my wife, before we reverse the car, she said, what did you tell her? I said, uh, give her iPad. I said, no. Katie, look at me, no. Then both of us were quiet in a car. I want to be a man of my word, you know. I, do, I don't want to just preach faith. Katie was also quiet, and then she said this, um, Papa, I really like to listen to you. I don't like to listen to mommy. I think in a kingdom, she said this, we listen to the king, not the queen. I said, no, the queen, right, is very important, like Elsa, you know, they're so important. And he said, no, I don't like, I don't like to hear mommy, I like to hear you. What do you say? I said, uh, okay, you answer me this question. You like iPad more or you like Papa more? She took a long time to think. The time that you see your kids struggle to choose between father and iPad, you know that's horrible, right? Like, oh my gosh. I said, Katie, it's so difficult, man. Why so difficult? Like, just choose. And then she said, Papa, I like iPad more. Oh. There goes my parenting. I have never conducted a parenting workshop ever since then <laughs> because I have failed. No, I'm just kidding. Then I was upset. I said, 
Katie, how can you choose? How can you choose iPad? You choose Papa, you get iPad. You choose iPad, you don't get Papa. You understand or not? So I was upset throughout the journey, you know, halfway already. And then Katie said something that changed me. She said, Papa, I like iPad more, but I love you more. Suddenly I think again, right? The, the, the difference between like and love. You know, I did not ask her she loves me more or loves mommy more. She liked to listen to me more because it resonates with what she wants. You know, like is something like, oh, I like you. I like things. I like this preaching because it resonates with something. But love is uncomfortable. Love requires us to change. Love requires us to sacrifice. You love the Word of God this morning or you like the Word of God? I want all of us in Harvest Gen to love the Word of God. It might make you uncomfortable, but like Katie said, you know what? I like iPad, but Papa, if you have to choose, I love you. I want you to do this. Like, yes, you like to lie down. <laughs> Maybe you like to uh, 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 just be at your own pace. But let us be devoted to the Word of God. Let us love the Word of God. Sit up straight, take notes, and say, Holy Spirit, change me in Jesus' name. Can I have an amen? You know, if you are in church online, maybe just type amen. If you haven't done so this morning, just type amen, encourage each other. I want to start with this uh, little illustration that uh, how many of you, you played charade before, right? Charade. If you are in a CG before, I, I'm sure you miss charade. Now, Zoom also can play charade with all kinds of uh, uh, app. I don't know how lately I've been into Gather Town and then someone is in Discord. There's so many platforms that I'm confused. I'm just a confused kid, you know, when it comes to all these online things, I stick to Zoom. But uh, my, my, my friend, Dr. Bay, was in charade. So she, he, he got this word. Can you all see? He got this word. It's, uh, I'm not too sure if you can see it, but never mind. So Dr. Bay, he said, okay, it's, it's an agency of, uh, of doing something. It's a, a substance where physical forces are transmitted. It is a platform, a mode where something can be hosted. It is an expression of a message to get something across. So, time's up. Nobody got the word. Nobody got the word. And then when we reveal, right, the word is medium. The word is medium. You know how often, right, we, we complicate things. The word medium, right, is so simple. Then someone just straight away say, it is small, big, and medium. Why are we so complicated? You, you understand what I'm trying to say? Like sometimes it is so medium, like so easy, but yet we couldn't get it. I think sometimes what I'm trying to say is this. When we go and look into the Bible, one of our challenge is not to complicate things, to keep it simple, to keep it pure and applicable. If you look at Mark chapter 3, verse 14, Mark chapter 3, verse 14, and he appointed the 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. The very reason Jesus appointed the 12, the Bible has spelled it all out, is to be with Jesus, is to be like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. It was so simple, yet sometimes we couldn't get it. It is to be with Jesus, be like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. So what happened is the important 
distinction of Christian discipleship is not one that is just going programs after programs, events after events. You understand what I'm trying to say? It is to be with Jesus, to know that He is Emmanuel, to, to be with Him. It is like, ah, uh, you know, the, the, the time I spend with my children, it is not every time I must do homework and activity and watch TV. They can just be on my lap and we just be with each other. Sometimes your prayer, it is not just to come with a long list. It is not just to intercede. They, they, they are important, but it is to be with Jesus. If there is no agenda in meeting up with Jesus, would you still be with Him? To be with Jesus. When you be with somebody long enough, you'll be like Him. And out of that likeness, we become like Jesus. Whatever we do, it will reflect Him. Whatever that we do will reflect Him. So, it is very important for us to understand, yes, Jesus did a lot of miracles, but it comes out from His being with the Father. It comes out from Him being a son with the Father. So, one of the things that we constantly uh, uh, can read, can see and witness in the life of Jesus is that Jesus often show compassion. Compassion is not a department. Compassion, compassion is not an organization. Compassion is Jesus. Why? You know, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 36, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without shepherd. How many of you, you can relate to this situation that we are in a crowd. We, like Jin said, we don't know how to plan. We are like sometimes sheep without shepherd. We were harassed by the uh, pandemic. We, we, we were helpless. We are helpless still. So what Jesus did was to have, have compassion on them. Your response to the world's suffering depends on what you force yourself to put attention to. Your response to the world's suffering depends on what you force yourself to put attention to. What gets your attention, Harvest Gen? Is it all about yourself this season? You've got to be honest with me. And I've got to be honest with you. What gets your attention? What is getting your attention? Thankfully, when Jesus looked at the crowd, He feels compassionate about them. In the ancient world, you know, especially in the Greek world, in um, the teaching of uh, the Stoics, you know, compassion seems to be a weak word. But Jesus displayed that true strength is found in compassion. Jesus' very nature is compassionate. His delight is to show mercy. The Latin word, root word for compassion is really to suffer with, to suffer with. You know, having compassion, it is to journey with people. I know maybe through this pandemic, you, you said, Keith, I can't even care for myself. I can't even doubt in myself. I can't even handle my situation at home. How can I still share or show compassion or, or willingness to help people? I want to say this, through Jesus, you can. 
all of us, we can. So I want to dissect this passage, very short passage to all of you. In verse 36, when he saw the crowd, when he saw the crowd, this is my first point. It says here, when he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. So confused and aimless, they were like sheep with no shepherd. Jesus saw the crowd. What do you see? Can you be very, very honest with me? Are you all just seeing the figures that's being published every single day? How many cases? How many cases? What are you seeing? You got to choose where to focus. Too much has been taught about time management. In our era and generation, it is all about attention management. It is all about focus management. What's getting your attention? If it is all about scrolling social media, who say you have no time for the Bible? If it is all about social, uh, uh, feeding, um, reading all the feeds on your Facebook, who say you have no time to be in a connect group? All of us, what do you see? You see, a lot of people don't understand. Going to connect group is not for yourself. Going to connect group is for others. And when you are in connect group, turn on your camera. Please. It, since when it is about just you going to connect group to consume, you know that's not true. You are there to type amen. You are there to respond and press that space bar and say, I agree with you. How hard is that? as compared to what we used to do last time. Turn on your camera. That is a way you let people see you and you see others. Are you all with me? It is not hard. It is not difficult. But sometimes we are unwilling to do it because we are still on our pajamas. You know, today I woke up early. I iron my clothes. I do up my hair. I put up perfume. It is not to a crowd of thousands, but I do it for Jesus Christ. Are you all with me or not? So when you show up on Connect Group this week, show up and put your face close to the camera so that they know that you are there. And it will encourage your cell group leader, your Connect Group leader or your Life Group leader. What do you call it here? Connect Group leader. <laughs> Be there. That's the way you show compassion because your, cell, uh, your Connect Group leader needs compassion. They have been preaching to the screen, right? With sometimes just some reaction of love and clap and a party popper. You understand? You can do more than that. Press that space bar and say, hey, I'm so happy to be in CG today. So Jesus saw the crowd. You know, when I was preparing for this message, do you know, sometimes when we talk about the Old Testament, we, we kind of relate God to a God of wrath, uh, judgment, and angry. But that is so not true. If you look at the book of Exodus, you remember uh, Moses went up to the mountain to com com uh, communicate with God and all. And then uh, he delayed his coming back. Aaron was pressured. And then suddenly Aaron gave in and they built a golden calf. And then when Moses came back, he was so upset. He was so upset to the point he took up two tablets, you know, one iPad and one Samsung and just break it. <laughs> he broke it and everyone was shocked. The Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments was broken. I don't know about you, but if I do that, after that I will feel guilty. Like, Simon Messiah, like, you broke the commandment that God ins inscribed. But you know what God did? When Moses met with God again in Exodus 34, 
in Exodus 34, when God asked Moses to go before him in giving him of the second time of the Ten Commandments, in verse 5, then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name. God introduced himself to Moses once again, the Lord, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for their sins of their parents for the third and the fourth generation. But God is saying, yes, only for those that you haven't shown love, you haven't shown patience. He is slow to anger. Moses, why are you so angry? And then they went on to their second project and beat the set two of the Ten Commandments. When God had a chance to reveal himself to Moses, his name, he said, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate God. How is God not a loving God in the Old Testament? If you read, you understand. They say, God, if you're compassionate, if you're loving, why, why are they laws? You know, laws are to protect you. Laws, you know, what our work with the refugees here, with the stateless people, it is the, 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 the difficult thing about them is that there's no law to protect them. They are being extorted. They are being sidelined because there's no law to give them basic needs, basic healthcare, basic education. Law is not to punish you. Law is to protect you. And God's way of expressing His love is through a law because when they were in Egypt, there was no law to protect them. Everything was not in favour with them. So now they get to have their own laws to protect their own rights. It's a way that God loved them. God saw them and God gave them rights to be children of God. Amen. So God saw the crowd. Secondly, He did not just see them. He paused. In showing compassion, right? One of the things you must do during this pandemic, it is to pause. You know, Dallas Willard says this, that we need to ruthlessly eliminate hurriness in our lives if we want to build relationship. If we want to build relationship, Dallas Willard said, you need to ruthlessly eliminate hurriness. So Jesus did not be on a hurry from one crusade to another. He paused. He looked, he saw them. He paused. And then he began to observe what are their needs. And then on, begin to connect with them. Jesus connected. Jesus connected. He did more than just seeing their needs, pausing there to be with them. He connected with them. Jesus did more than just understanding your suffering. Before he meet your needs, he wants to connect with you. When he saw the crowd, he had compassion for them. Jesus' heart Jesus' heart went out to them. His heart was broken for them. What was Jesus' image of God? Think of this story. When Jesus tried to relate or illustrate the image of God, he used a father whose son has strayed off, but who was 
staying at one place, looking afar off for the son to come back. That is his image of his father. And when the son finally came back, the father lifted up his garment and ran towards his son. That's the image of God in his mind when he go around to minister. What is your image of God? Is it just a vending machine? Is it just like um, uh, ATM? Is it just like God 999? By the way, Pastor, I asked my kids, if emergency, what number do you dial? And all of them say 911. <laughs> I want you to know, 911 doesn't work in Malaysia. <laughs> it's 999, Harvest Gen. Okay, anyway, commercial aside. I, I was shocked. I said, guys, if you call 911, it will go to America, and then for the police to come, it will take forever. I'm just kidding. Call 999, <laughs> okay? But, but his, his heart was broken, and he connected with them. Do you know success might inspire us, but it is our struggle that connects us? Success might inspire us, but if you want to do church well, you got to learn to show your vulnerability. You need to learn to connect sincerely. Amen? So, Jesus connected and finally, Jesus shepherds. He owns you. He wants to feed you. He wants to tend to your need. He wants to lead you. You are his sheep. So, Matthew adds one more thing there underscore the whole story that I want to bring up is this. They were harassed and they were helpless. They were sheep without shepherd. I want to ask you this morning, in your surrounding, how many people are affected by this pandemic? They were harassed. They were helpless. Do you know what? Jesus wants to show compassion on them. How? You've got to pat yourself. You've got to say, through me. Are you all with me or not? Through me, you become a reflection and a representation of Christ. If these people are without shepherd, who's going to shepherd them? You. You are going to do it. You are going to do the job. Then he said, I, I, I can't even handle myself. I want to say this. When you put your eyes out there to help others, trust me, God will take care of you. I am a living testimony of how years of serving, God will just take care of of my family and me. I'm not asking you to neglect them. I'm not asking you to not spend time with them. I'm asking you to be considerate to see who else you can help. You say, okay, but I don't have money in my bank. I don't have talents like someone else. Can you send a voice note? Can you just say, hey, I thought about you and I just want to pray that God's joy and peace will be with you. Amen. That's all. That's where you see somebody you pause to think of somebody, you connect with somebody, and you shepherd somebody. How that conversation will go on, you leave it to the Holy Spirit. But would you first take out your phone and text somebody or not? Would you first take out your phone and say, hey, yeah, been a while, don't worry, I'm not selling you anything. I just want to say, uh, I, I, th I thought about you, I prayed for you. Okay, uh, just a short one. I, I, that's what I do all the time. All the time, I thought I can't do like great things like crusade or what, but I can text somebody. I can care for somebody. Recently, I, a lot of people say, oh, my devotion has been disrupted and what. I pray to God 
And you know, you version, it was so simple. I said, let's start a plan together. That's what I did. And I journeyed with them, starting a U version plan together. And it's on my fifth plan. And from two brothers, now it has become eight brothers. It is very simple. You can do it as well. That's how you show compassion when nobody and everyone is worried about themselves. You need to learn to be like Christ. By first being with Christ, being like Christ, and then you do what he did. Is that okay? What's happening here about shepherding is that many people, Harvest Gen, they are having spiritual confusion. They are having disorientation. They don't understand why this thing is happening. And I want you to hold on to your faith. I want you to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ more than ever before, more than ever before. Our young generation, my children, they are more and, and they are less and less spiritual. You need to reach out to them. You need to tell them the Bible story. They are on, they are on the screen all the time. They are consuming fiercely on the content that's on YouTube, that's on Vivo, that's on the K-pop. Nothing wrong with Netflix, but you need to press in. You need to redeem the new generation because they are, they, no, no, no generation in the past spends more time on the screen than the past two years. It's scary. And if we don't do anything about it, if we don't reach out to them, if we still judge them, we are not helping them to correct their posture. You know, not just posture. I look at my kid and I say, hey, don't slouch. Hey, sit straight. I, I, you understand? Not just physical posture, but their spiritual posture is hunched. It's, it's, it's horrible. We need to help them straighten up. They need us. Amen. And don't judge them. Hosea 6 verse 6 says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. You know what? I think one thing, uh, one, one problem with sacrifice is this. After being in church for some time, it is scary when sacrifice becomes what you boast about. Sacrifice becomes your image. But God says, no, obedience. Obedience means you will still do it even when there's no recognition. Obedience means you do it for that person. Sacrifice is like, I want to show you what I can burn. Look at my sheep. Look at my, look at my offerings. They are blameless. They are without blemish. You can be boasting about your sacrifice. And the darkest period of Christianity is when we all compare our sacrifice. That, that, that would be horrible. But obedience, you know, is of the heart. Not just obedience because of instruction, but obedience because of pursuit. That you, when you pursue God, you learn to be obedient. You know, in Romans chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 4, I want to say this. It is very important for us to understand even Paul's approach in reflecting Jesus Christ is very, very tactful. He said this, You therefore have no excuse, you who, have, who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Whenever you pass judgment on someone, you realize you are judging that person for judging you. So you are actually doing the same thing. 
So you got to be very, very careful. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. That means, right, only God has the totality of the content on the heart and the action of a person. So only God can judge. So when you, mere, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing, Harvest Gen, if you can read together and say, God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. What leads us to repentance? God's kindness. What is God's kindness? Compassion. Compassion leads people to repentance. It is God's kindness that leads you to repentance, isn't it? It was God's kindness that led me to repentance. Again and again and again, it is His kindness that leads me to repentance. But some people are stuck. Some people have been in this situation for a long time. And I want to tell you this story. You know, um, in hundreds of years ago, it's, it's a story written about this guy called Louis. You know, Louis, it's um, a normal person that lives in France. And one habit about Louis is that he doesn't like to waste things. So when he was walking on the street, he found a piece of string. So, so that, let, let's just imagine this is what Louis found. Just a piece of string. He picked it up from the street. And then there was a shopkeeper far off that saw Louis picking up something and put inside his pocket. So the shopkeeper was not too sure what he picked up. In the same afternoon, a lady complained that she lost her purse. And then the shopkeeper, being a person that doesn't quite like Louis, said, I saw Louis picked up something on the street. Maybe he found your purse. Maybe you can look for him. And what happened was that the lady immediately went to Louis and said, Hey, Louis, did you uh, happen to pick up my purse? Louis said no. But he said, the shopkeeper saw you picking it up. You see, words change. Words twist. And this happened to us all the time. Louis was trying to explain, no, I didn't. But he was very ashamed to say that he picked up a string because nobody would believe, like, what kind of excuse is this? So he was hesitant. He said, ah, no, I didn't do that. that. That guy don't like me. He's accusing me. But the lady said, please, return my purse back to me. And Louis couldn't hold it anymore. He said, no, I just picked up the string. The, the, the woman laughed and said, don't lie. How could you just pick up a string? You know, things got worse. The woman reported to the police and he was integrated. From then on, Louis keeps saying, it's just a piece of string. Why nobody believe in me? It's just a piece of string. It's just a piece of string. But everyone, every dinner, every lunch that he went to, every occasion that he went to, when people looked at him and wanted to talk to him, he justified himself. It's just a piece of string. Why don't nobody believe in me? You know, sometimes the more you justify, the more people think that you are guilty of something. That Louis could not move on from this piece of string. He got very sick and eventually he passed away. It's a sad story. Just before his death, he told the doctor, can you tell everyone it's really just a piece of string? But sometimes, we as Christians, how often we are caught by just a small matter, a small petty issue that consumes us, that we could not move on, that has compromised on our health, 
that has caused us to live a smaller and smaller life. You know, about a month ago, I was shocked that my hand suddenly developed some rashes between my middle finger and my ring finger. So I didn't know what's that. It was extremely itchy and the itch is under the skin. So it was horrible and there's blister all over. And I found myself obsessed with it. Is it the too much hand sanitizer? Is it egg? Is it dairy? Is it this? Is it that? My whole family is like, okay, Papa, you don't have to wash dishes. Uh, uh, we won't cook egg. We won't do this. We won't do that. And, and I was so consumed with the, the, the rashes. Finally, I couldn't take it. And I asked Dr. Andrew, I said, what's this? He said, it's a type of eczema. I said, at my age, my whole life, I never had skin issue except for acne when I was young. But, but why is this eczema coming to me at this age? Uh, Dr. Andrew said, uh, I'm not too sure. You just got to apply the cream and all. And one afternoon, while I was looking at a small little dot of bubbles, I was rebuked by God. He said, Keith, do you know how many people live with eczema their whole life? Have you ever cared for them? You see how selfish I am when it happens to me, just between two fingers. I was so obsessed with it. I studied about it. And immediately I repented and I texted three of my friends that had eczema. I said, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I, I, I am having eczema now. I don't know how you went through it. You know what surprised me? They all call me back and they give me tips how to handle. You see, that's compassion. When you care for somebody, you allow somebody to care for you back. But the problem is none of us are taking the first step in this pandemic and we are spiraling down. It was Jesus that attended to them that caused the disciples to ripple out to care for more people. Harvest Gen, we cannot shrink. We must press on and show even more compassion. Are you all with me? That we should not just be consumer, just watching. All of us can do something. I'm just going to end with this story. A very simple story. You know, some years ago, while I was preaching in church, I saw Dr. Debbie. She was worshipping and she was in tears. So after that, I went to the lobby and connected with her. I said, Doctor, are you okay? She said, it's just a very tough uh, post-call today. I said, what happened? You know, we lost the mother and we lost the child. She's, she's a gynae. She could have been saved, but every department is pushing around the responsibility and nobody takes charge and then too much excessive bleeding and we lost both lives. I said, wow, that's tough. She said, yeah. When they are on call, it's 36 hours. She went home, showered, went to church. I said, man, I have misunderstood doctors, man. I thought they are living a cool life and admirable life. I said, my heart went out with compassion. I said, how many more doctors we have in church? Gather them. I want to talk to them. I don't pray for them. I think they need, you know, doctors are someone like pastors. When you go to them, right, it's always for solution. You never really care for them. I'm not saying about myself, okay? But, but you always just go to them with problems. You never really care. And I said, no, 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 no. This group of people needs care. So I started a healthcare fellowship. It grew. Nurses, Cairo, dentists, pharmacists, doctors came together and hundreds of them. So what happened was that we want to start something for them and all three started. And our first project was to feed a department in UM. Said, okay, we're going to provide you lunch. We want to raise 
you know, initially we want to raise 500 ringgit for lunch. And then the funds came in for 5,000. Then we thought, okay, we feed you the whole week. After that, when we got to know these doctors, right, I said, can you help us to uh, do PPE? That was last year. And then when we started to do PPE, because uh, our church has this production uh, going on and then we have a lot of props people, right? So they are very good with their hands. We assembled the props team and we started doing PPE. What happened was that one simple lunch for a department became a, a project that we completed 20,000 PPE and we raised 100,000 ringgit. It started with just at the lobby, someone was crying and then it rippled out. The food aid started with a Burmese family calling to our clinic and say, my husband has no job for very long and we have no more food. Our kids are very hungry. Is there any chance that you can feed us or not? We feed one lunch. But long story short, today we have fed more than 180 families and we have raised 150,000 for feeding them for 10 weeks. In fact, this Sunday, it is the last day for the 10 weeks to finish. It started with one lunch for one family. You know what, Harvest Gen? Your brighter days, your greater days is ahead of you. Don't be restricted. Maybe just one lunch, maybe just one doctor that needs your prayer, maybe just one nurse or one chiro or one dentist or one pharmacist that still need your care because they are really very tired. They are really very exhausted. Can you show care? Can you show concern? Can you at least send them a bubble tea? I don't know. You can do something. And from that step, something else will happen. And one last project is our 1,000 days project. Do you know the first 1,000 days of a baby is the most crucial? And do you know these people that are living in a country that has no basic care to, to, to basic healthcare uh, access? We decided to give them vaccination. And because of that, we began to get in touch with a lot of them. Because we have Dr. Debbie as a gynae, we met a lot of pregnant mom who are refugees. And last month, we delivered our first baby. But the story of this is so beautiful. Do you know, this couple has been in Malaysia and they have six miscarriages and they tried for 12 years. Finally, they delivered the first baby under our care because nobody really cared for them. Under proper gynecology care, she delivered her first baby and yesterday she went to the clinic, the baby is 5 kg. Amazing. You and I, we can do something. Matthew 25 verse 37, it says, Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did, you, when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Harvest Gen, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. All of us can do something. Don't stop. I love being here this morning. Instead of coming here to minister, I was ministered in a worship. Because someone is willing to wake up early, to set up the hall, turn on the aircon, and get the, the songs ready so that we can worship. When you start to step out and do something, someone else will follow. Don't just sit there and wait anymore. God is a compassionate God. Amen? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you that today, the first group that I want to pray for, you need help. You are like sheep without shepherd. 
you have been lost, disoriented, you're confused, you're anxious, you have no peace, you have panic attacks, I don't know what you're going through, you're always worried, reach out for help because when you reach out for help, when you get better, you can help others. Don't struggle alone anymore. For many of you in Harvest Gen, you are leaders, you used to be active, but when you look at a reflection of your spirituality now, it's, it's, it's really just spiraling down. I want to pray in the name of Jesus today. God sees you. God wants to connect with you. God wants to journey with you. God wants to shepherd you. He is our good shepherd and we shall not be in lack. We shall not be fearful. Harvest Jen, I pray in Jesus' name. Through all that the struggles that you are going through, remember this. You know, if you study psychology, probably you have heard Nietzsche say this, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But I don't want just to stop there. I want to say this. Your struggle is not just to make you stronger. Your struggle is to make you more compassionate. Your struggle is to make you more like Jesus. Your struggle is an invitation of God asking you to come near to Him. Today, I pray every leader, you know, the leadership team in this church, it's time to stand up, to be counted for, Organize prayer meeting over Zoom. Love and care fearlessly. Father, in the name of Jesus, I commit Harvest Gen to you. I pray in the name of Jesus as you have taken care of them through their struggles. I pray they will have a heart of compassion to carry the heart of Jesus to continue to serve you for eternity. We give you thanks and praise. We give you all the glory. Next week, to the week of uh, National Day, for the next two weeks, God, we will learn to show compassion. We will learn to love and care. We will learn to be there for somebody. We give you thanks. All this in Jesus' name, everyone say, Amen. Amen. I hope the word has blessed you. And I pray in the name of Jesus, small gesture, big impact. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Harvest Generation Church. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged.